0: And I do the episode I do towards the end of each year where I look back at the year and I look back at what I read. I try to pull out some of the main ideas, some of the main takeaways, and some of the overarching ideas from that list. And that's what I'm going to do in this episode, and it's going to cover my 2021 reading list. Well, this was a fun year. Uh, I, I did something different this year, and what I did is instead of choosing 52 books that I really wanted to read. I chose fewer books, but I chose books that were all part of a series. And so the majority of what I'm going to go through in this episode, are the, they're books that were part of a series of books. And that could be a fiction series, it could be a nonfiction series. And that was my main focus of this year. And mainly because if when I tried it, when I would try to do those... Years of reading 52 books per year, uh, it was hard to fit in some of these series, especially the series that were huge books and multiple huge books. And so I just had never gotten around to these books, but they were books that I, I really wanted to read. And so I, I finally just decided I'm going to take one year and and not go for the 52 books, but, but just... Make it a point to go through these these series that I've been wanting to read for a long time, and that's what I did. Did I got through a lot of series that has have been on my list for a long time, and I'm really glad I did. I'm I'm glad I took the year. I also didn't get through some of the series I wanted to get through, but uh, it it was a overall a great year of reading. So I'm gonna go through I'm gonna go through some of the stats, uh, the the nerdy stuff, and then also just go through in order uh, the, the series that I read this year. So I, I started out, I I had, uh, in my mind, I guess I I was going for 39 books and I ended up reading 43. And of those 43, there were 16,715 pages. And I mentioned that because that that's a key part of, of what I'm doing in the sense of, I, I, Add all the pages together that I want to read in a year and then I divide them by the number of, of days in the year And that tells me around what I need to be reading each day So some days are i'll, I'll get through that number of pages some days i'll get more some days i'll get a lot a lot less uh, But I averaged 46 pages per day this year uh, Some of the books are short where you fly through some of them were, were long where it would take take quite a while to get through just a single page. So, uh, average of 46, and that got me through 43 of these books. So, I'm just going to go in order um, the, from where I started and and kind of take a few breaks in this episode, but uh, just start with my first series, which was The Chronicles of Narnia. Now, when I was a child, I received the set, and I, I received the set that I actually read. And uh, as part of this episode, I have the books sitting right next to me here on my desk. And, and so I pick them up, uh, I look at them, and that helps me, me to remember the books. But as I pick up this series of seven books of the Chronicles of Narnia, this is my set from childhood. This is my set that I remember reading by Fish tank Light. I didn't get very far in the series, but I do remember reading *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. And I would, I would, my parents thought I was sleeping, and I would uh, turn on my fish tank light, and I would, would, would try to read some of these books. So this is the very same set, but the very first time that I made it through all seven of these books, Uh, C.S. Lewis is my favorite author. And the fact that I had never made it through this series really bugged me, so I, I wanted to remedy that, and I did this year, and I'm so thankful I did. My favorite of the of the seven books was The Magician's Nephew. It kind of gives the origin story of, of Narnia, and some some sets actually have that uh, as the first book, I believe, or or in the first set of books, uh, whereas in the set that that I had. It was book number six, right before the final book of The Last Battle. But The Magician's Nep- Nephew was just, it was, it was magical. I mean, the whole series was magical, but that, that book in particular was uh, just breathtaking. And so I, I enjoyed the series as a whole. Uh, my, my daughter is listening to them, uh, and, and she loves them. So it was, it was fun to, to be able to, to do that almost uh, around the same time and to discuss them with, with my daughter. So that was series number one. After that, I started in on the Robert Caro series, The Years of Lyndon Johnson, and this is a four-book series, and with a fifth book on the way. And the the funny thing that Robert Caro says about this book is uh, he's working on the fifth of a three-book series. In in saying that he he may he means that he only expected this to be three books at most about Lyndon Johnson, but. As, as you start to see, and, and when you read these series, these books by Robert Carroll, you see that he digs deep, and he goes deep into, into the life of Lyndon Johnson, but not just the life of Lyndon Johnson. He goes into American history. He goes into geography. He goes into politics. And so you get, a, you get just an incredible view into the time. In 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 really the years of Lyndon Johnson, but and I, w- I would get comments all the time while I was reading these because I'm I'm posting. Uh, it, t- it took a long time to read these, and and I would post throughout it, and people say, "Why why are you spending so much time with this this person that is despicable in in Lyndon Johnson? What you know why why are you doing this?" And I, w- I would always respond in, in in saying that well it's not just about Lyndon Johnson it, it's it's about so much more, and these these books are. These are my favorite books that I read this year, and and I would say the most impactful books in in this sense that I, I just I can't stop thinking about them. I, they just they're constantly in my head, and I I know a lot of that has to do with with Robert Caro's writing, with the the method that he uses to research and to dig deep, but he also brings up these timeless questions. And the one that stuck out the most to me was means versus ends, and do the ends justify? Do, does the end justify the means to get to that end? And Robert, uh, uh, sorry, Lyndon Johnson's life is just a case study of that question, and over and over and over again, was it worth it? Were the good things that happened were they worth the bad? Were the end? Did the end justify the means? And man, it just that that question becomes so nuanced as as you read this set of books. And it was just fantastic. My favorite of the four was the second one, The Years of Lyndon Johnson. It's actually the shortest one. And it just, it it is so impactful. And and it reads like an action film. Like I I could see that becoming an an action film. And so if if you want to start on, you can start on any of the four um, you don't have to like start at the first one, although I I, I would highly recommend that you do, and, and you set aside a, a period of your life to to just go through these books. But if you if you can't, if you only just want to read one, I would I would do the Years of Lyndon Johnson because it's the shortest and it's just straight action the entire time. Um, the first book is, is the Path to Power. That's the early years of Lyndon Johnson and Robert Carroll said that he only expected to write two chapter or, yeah two chapters about the early life of Lyndon Johnson but the dig, the deeper he dug he he there was so much gold there but so much that told you about the LBJ that was president and by by reading and learning about him at this young age the the man didn't change and that was just the fascinating thing like you're reading about this man and this is the same man that was president and not a whole lot changed. And so if people had actually dug in at that point while he was alive and while he was running for president or he was vice president with, with Kennedy, but like before that he, he was running for Senate, like if they had dug deep into his life before that, they would have seen a lot of things. And that's what Robert Caro did. So this, this series impacted me so, so much that I then decided to, Add a couple books to this year's reading list. Uh, something that I usually don't do, but I became so enamored with with Robert Caro that I decided to add his other big book, *The Power Broker*, and then also his book called *Working*, which is which is about his writing style and, and how he does research and interviewing. And that was fascinating and, and just got, gave a lot of insight into how these books came about. And then The Power Broker is about Robert Moses, who was a kind of a master builder in the city of, of New York and in the state of New York as well. And this man was never elected to, to power. He was never elected in any vote, yet he had more power than the mayor and the governor. And how did that happen? And so that, that, that's, that book explores that question. In total, the LBJ series took me 120 hours and 35 minutes. That took me longer than the Bible. The Bible took me 105 hours when I read that last year. So that's it's it, it it's work. It it it'll take you a long time to get through it, but it it was worth it. And and I didn't. There was no sense of it dragging on. It, it just. Those 120 hours just went by, and they were fun, and I was learning, and, and it, was, it was just awesome. It was 2,825 total pages for those four books. If I add all of the Robert Caro books together, it was 4,194 pages, and I spent 175 hours and 32 minutes of my life this year with Robert Caro, the author. And it was excellent. I cannot wait till the fifth book comes out about LBJ. I will drop everything I'm doing. I will drop whatever I'm reading at the time and I will get that book and I will read. I, I I'll just read it. I, I cannot wait for that fifth book. So that's uh, the first two series, Narnia and then the Robert Caro series. And the next segment will jump into the series that I read after Robert Caro. So continuing on here, the next series was The Lord of the Rings, and I started off with The Hobbit, and then I read three books from The Lord of the Rings trilogy, and as I mentioned before, as I'm telling you about these books, I am holding them in my hand, and and I love this, and the version of The Hobbit I have is one that I purchased 21 years ago at Oxford, uh, where I studied for a summer, and I bought it at Waterstones in Oxford, August 15th, 2000. I have that written in the front of the book. And so I started with The Hobbit and didn't like it. And I I just, I, I knew going in. I've tried this before. I've tried the first book of The Lord of the Rings, and I, I could just, I never could get into it. And that's just kind of in general for me. Uh, fantasy books, fantasy movies, uh, uh, that whole genre, I, I, I can't do it. I, I just never really enjoyed it. And so I started with The Hobbit this year and did not enjoy it, but really wanted to. I, I really wanted to enjoy these books. And so I mentioned that on, on social media as I was reading this book. And a friend of mine responded back and he said, you know, you should try to read it as if it was true. And so I did that. I, I was I was almost going to just stop and, and go on to the next series. But I decided to take the first book of the Lord of the Rings series, The Fellowship of the Ring. And I decided to do to do that very thing, to read it as if it was true. And so the the series I have now that I'm holding is a three book series that I purchased at landmark booksellers here in Franklin, Tennessee. And the versions I got have these beautiful fold out maps in the back. And it actually you, you take them out of the book and and, and I would I would um, just fold these. Uh, unfold these maps. I was. I was. As I was reading these these books, so I'd have this huge map in front of me, and so I, I just read it as if it was true. Like this was an actual location that these were actual people, and it changed everything. I, I loved the first book of the Fellowship of the Rings after not liking The Hobbit, and then that just started me on on really enjoying the whole the whole series. And so I'm so glad I did that, and, and, and it taught me something, and it and it's helped me read other books this year as well, is if I'm having trouble with a book, I, I, if I read it as if, if, it, as if it was true, it, it will help me. And I think part of that is just I, I would view these books as being meaningless in the sense of I'm, I'm reading about a world that doesn't exist. I'm reading about characters that don't exist. Why? I mean, I could be reading a book about... Churchill and and then that would help me understand other parts of World War II and other parts of British history and it would it would tie into all these different things so why read a fantasy series and i i think it answered i got I got that question answered this year by by reading this series and i'm i'm so glad i did and and i think just immersing yourself in this world it it actually helps you to see things you wouldn't normally see uh, to see things that that you could never get out of a fic- uh, nonfiction book uh, ab- about history, like this, this kind of digs deeper and, and it reaches deeper inside of you because your your guard is down, and you're not just expecting a series of facts, but you're you're engaged in the story, you're engaged with the characters, and so I, I had a great experience with the, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy this year. This the the trilogy plus uh, the Hobbit took me 49 hours and 20 minutes total. And that was of fourteen hundred and fifty one pages. and it was uh, it was delightful. after After the hobbit, I, I kind of should probably go back and read the Hobbit now as well, with this this different mindset of of reading. So after that series, I did a three-book series by my pastor here in Franklin, Tennessee, Russ Ramsey. And he wrote, he wrote a series of books called Retelling the Story series. And the first of those is The Advent of the Lamb of God. And this book is is a good one to read in the month of December, right before Christmas, because it, it has 25 chapters, so you could do a chapter a day through the, through the 25th, but it, it goes through 25 different parts of the Bible and, and kind of weaves a narrative arc through all of these stories. So that, that was the first one, the advent of the lamb of God. The second one is the passion of the King of glory. And this one goes through the gospel of John. And this one is, let me see how many chapters this one was. Yeah, 40. So this, this is a good one for, uh, Lent and, uh, but going deep, kind of digging deep into the stories of, of the gospel of John. And it's fun uh, with, with Russ being my pastor to, to hear some, he'll reference a lot of these stories in the way that he wrote about them. And there's just some, some really poignant things that he points out of, uh, in, in these stories. Uh, one, one being just digging deep into, into the alabaster jar in the, the perfume that was put on Jesus at the week of his, of his death. And that, that perfume would have been so strong that it it would have lasted through that entire week, the the Passion week. Um, soldiers beating Jesus would have would have smelled this, and and only royalty, only kings would have worn uh, had this fragrance on them. And here it would have been on Jesus as he's being executed. And through that that entire week, that that strong would have been so smell. And it, it would have caused people to say, why why is this man who's being executed? Why does he smell like a king? And so it's just stuff like that that that, that I'd never thought about. Uh, but it's just such a, a neat kind of digging into to some of these stories. And then the last book of the series is called The Mission of the Body of Christ. And this one digs into the, the chapters of Acts. And so there are 28 chapters in the in the book of Acts, but uh, there's 31 chapters in this book. So this is a good one, just you know, to kind of pick up at any any month and go through day by day. Uh, I, I wanted to go through the the um, advent of the Lamb of God with my kids this year, and then just life got busy and I didn't do it but I do hope to do that at some point um and maybe pick up these other ones at at other times because they they're nice to just you know a few few pages each chapter to to go through so that was the the retelling the story series by by Russ Ramsey and those three books took 17 hours and 48 minutes to get through after that I kind of jumped around a little so I'll, I'll, I'll I'll do a series now that I called "Out of Series" books, that these were not a part of a series, but uh, just were books that I wanted to read, and then I'll get into the next series after that. So the first of these was the New Testament, and and I uh, read through the entire Bible last year for the for the first time in my life, where I just read straight through. And this year I, I wanted to uh, just read the New Testament, but I wanted to read a specific version of it, and it's and it's the Bibliotheca version and um neat story behind this if you if you're interested if, if I remember I'll I'll put it in the show notes but um there a gentleman just saw a need for a bible that did not have all the 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 verses notated but just one that read more like like a book and if you pick up almost any bible they they have the same format there there's two columns on each page uh very thin paper and, and then just chapter and verse references all over the place. Like it, it almost looks like you're reading an, an, an encyclopedia instead of a book. And so what he wanted to do is just strip all of that away, have a single column on each page, no verse references, no chapter references. Uh, and, and then he just beautifully designed these books, like the, the font is incredible. Uh, and, and then he split it up into five books, as opposed to just having one, one, Book of the of the the entire Bible with really thin paper, so it's it's thicker paper. It's it's just beautifully done, and I'd been eyeing this thing for a while, and so I was able to just get the New Testament uh, uh, of this series of, of the five books, and and so that's that's the version I read this year, and the translation was enough of a difference to where it it. it it didn't, you didn't know what was coming in the sense of like, if, if you've read a certain version of the Bible, you, you just kind of, you, you can almost go on autopilot reading it. But this was enough of a difference to where 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 it would stand out. And so it was just neat. I, d- I just started at the beginning of the New Testament, just went straight through it. And uh, it was a really good experience. And and I ended up buying the entire set of this bibliothek and, and hope to go through it early next year, uh, not the year after, so 2023, and perhaps start each year with that, and then go through the rest of my my reading project. But I can't wait to go through that whole Bible uh, uh, of that version. After that, I read Jason Staples' book, "The Idea of Israel in Second Temple Judaism," and Jason was uh, he he was a co-host on this podcast for for a couple years at the beginning. And so I had him on. We talked about this book. I actually had to read it twice. It's an academic book, and so the first time I read it, I just kind of went through to to get the overall uh, ideas and the overall gist of of the book. And so what Jason does here is he looks at when when the term Israel was used in Second Temple Judaism. What what did it mean? And in, in Second Temple Judaism, is the time where uh, where the the Jewish exiles have returned from their exile, and it's from then until the temple is destroyed in 70 AD. So it, it ends up being the time when Jesus is alive, when Paul is alive. And so it becomes very important to understand when Paul's writing about Israel or about Jews or about Hebrews, what, what does he mean by? By those terms, and the whole thing started for Jason here when he was reading Jeremiah, and there's this talk of, of what Israel is going to be, this restoration of of Israel. But to that audience, there there is no Israel at this time. Israel had been destroyed. So, what in the world is the author? What what in the world is Jeremiah talking about? And so that's that's what 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 Jason goes through in this book. And he goes through all these ancient texts. He goes through Josephus, the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, Philo, Philo, I I don't don't know how to pronounce it, but he he reads his, his, and, and he finds that these terms were used in a very specific manner. And so when the ancient authors would say, use the term Israel, it meant a very specific thing. If they were using the term Jew, it meant a specific thing and how that kind of got hijacked In recent scholarship and we're not using the terms in in the same way that they, that they were meant to be used. And it has huge implications for how we understand uh, a lot of what is, is in the Bible and, and what is written about at that time. So fascinating book. Jason has another one coming up that, that kind of, uh, digs in deeper to when Paul is using these terms, then what, what does, what does Paul mean? Um, so can't wait to read that one. I think that one's coming out, uh, either late next year or in 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 2023. So another one is Lost in Thought by Zena Hitz. and this is it's the tagline on it is the hidden pleasures of an intellectual life. And this was just kind of a delightful book to to read through on the pleasures of of reading and the pleasures of thinking and and digging deep and searching hard for truth and not being satisfied with with just easy answers, but, but really desiring to dig deep. So kind of a preaching to the choir, uh, in, in wanting to read this, but, uh, it was, it was a fun, delightful book. After that, I read, uh, the, the second mountain by David Brooks, uh, David Brooks, I've, i in college, I read him a lot because, uh, for one of my classes, I had to read the New York Times. And so I just would start reading his columns and then got some of his books and, and enjoyed reading them. And then I just did not read them for, for many years. And I heard him recently in a podcast and he shared his spiritual quest as of, of late. And it it was fascinating. And, and the way he spoke about it, I, it was just, I, I really enjoyed it. And so he talked about this book a little bit in that podcast episode, and so it made me want to to read it. So both Lost in Thought and The Second Mountain were uh, late additions to the reading list. They I actually inserted them in. They were not part of the original list. So going on from there... Um, The next series of books were all the books that Russ Roberts has written, and Russ Roberts is an economist, and he is the host of the incredible podcast, if you've not listened to it, it's called Econ Talk, and he has been doing that since 2006. He has interviewed people like Milton Friedman uh, before Friedman passed away. He's he's interviewed so many people, and and so what he does, it's an episode a week, and it's usually where he reads a book. By the author and then interviews the author about the book. And the thing I love about Russ is that he is willing to change his mind. And so he will he he he'll, he'll have ideas on, on how he thinks things work and, and from what he studied and, and all that. Uh, and then he'll interview these people and you'll just kind of you'll hear him in the process of just, you know, you, you have a good point there, and you, you kind of hear the hear the gears turning in his head that he's he's changing his mind. About this, so fascinating uh, podcast to to listen to. I highly recommend it. But I just I've been listening to it since 2013, and thought you know it would be fun to read all of his books. So I, I'd read how Adam Smith can change your life before, but I, I went through all of his other books this year, and I, I really enjoyed that. So that was the the series after that. Well, the series I had after that was the Civil War. Series by Shelby Foote. Uh, It's called The Civil War, a Narrative. And I only made it through the first of three books. And something happened during the year, and I will talk about that in the next next segment. But uh, something happened to where I just I I knew I was not going to be able to get through the other books on my list if I kept reading these. And I needed to get through the other books. And so I read the first of the three books, I started in on the second, and then I got like 200 pages in and, and just figured I was not going to be able to, to finish this. So I, I shelved it, uh, and I thought, you know, if I have time at the end of the year, I'll try to get back to it. Ended up not having time at the end of this year, and so I hope to get to it another point in my life, but I am surrounded by the Civil War. I, I live with within a mile of a major battlefield in Franklin, Tennessee, and there's just, there, there are remembrances of the civil war all around me. I I go to buildings that were hospitals during the civil war. Um, their roads that I take, uh, uh, regularly were roads that soldiers took to get to where they, they needed to go. And so i I've never read anything about the civil war and and just had a strong desire to do so, especially living so close to a a major battlefield. So I made it through the first book. I was fascinated by it. It was just incredible to read how soldiers from both sides would, would have been classmates in, in, in the, the academy. And then now they're fighting against each other. And and even cases where a former uh, professor was, was, or the student was fighting the professor with the knowledge he gained from, from the, the professor and just fascinating things and, and just tragic stories. But, and then just to see, uh, Abraham Lincoln, weave, weaving throughout this whole thing, it was, it was, it was amazing. So I, I do hope to get back to this at some point, but that was, um, that was the next series that, that I started and, and one that I did not end up finishing this year. Alright, the next series was Harry Potter, and I had never read it. I had wanted to. I'd started the first book once, I believe, and uh, just didn't get very far. Again, I think it had a lot to do with that. Um, that just I didn't like fantasy books. I didn't like uh, th- that genre, and... So I, I couldn't get into it. But uh reading it as if it was true, that changed everything for this series as well. And this was 4,100 total pages. It took me 77 hours and 36 minutes to get through all of the Harry Potter books. But it was a delight. And the thing that, that stood out to me the most about this series was just her, the authors, uh, J.K. Rowling, her creativity in this. And to come up with this world, but just... Uh, uh, yeah, how how everything came together, and I I don't even know how you plan for that like that long of a series of books, and for things to weave in and out, and for it to all come together, it, it's just an incredible feat, and a a really a, a delightful read with some incredible lessons throughout the series, so a lot of fun. I I do hope to to watch the movies at some point. Uh, but my first experience with Harry Potter, I, I really enjoyed it. So after that, I came to, well, I was invited to a conference, and it's called the Liberty Fund Conference. And it came with a hefty reading list. And so that's one reason I stopped the uh, Civil War series, because I knew that to in order to, to, to read and, and to to dig in deep to these books. I, I wanted to dig in deep before I attended this conference to, to discuss the books. And so I, I made sure that I left an, enough time to, to read as much of these books as I could. And, and you, you didn't have to read the, the full set of, of books, uh, but you did have to read one of them for sure, and then a lot of the discussion was based off that. And then there were different se- sections of the other books, but I, I wanted to read these other books as well, so I, I took the time to to get through most of them. And so the main book of this series was Dangerous Liaisons, and this is the all the discussions were were centered around that book. And so that's the first one I read, and it was. It was incredible. I, I would say that that was the biggest surprise book for me this year. I just, I had never heard of it. And um, I, I just probably never would have ever picked this book up. And it, it was incredible. It's called an, an epistolary novel, which means it's just based off of letters. And so you're seeing what's happening, you're, you're getting a glimpse into the story through letters back and forth between a variety of people. Some people have the most evil intentions you can imagine, and other people are kind of these naive young people, and and you see what happens when these two worlds clash. But you see the same event through different eyes because you're seeing these letters back and forth between the the, the different variety of of characters. So it's just a fascinating way to 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 read a novel because it's it's just letters. And so you're seeing all these things come together through, through a series of letters. And, so, and then uh, attending this conference and discussing this book in, in deep, in, in great detail, you just saw the depths of, of, of the book. And it, it was written by a general, like it, it um, or someone high up in the, in the army of France in the 1700s and, and early 1800s. And, and this book is said to have have been one of the causes of the French Revolution because it showed the the elite in in just a, a horrible manner. Like uh, this is what the elites are doing. This is we don't. This is awful. Like and and so because of that, they, they there's thoughts that that this book is is uh, one of the reasons for the French Revolution. After the French Revolution, uh, the author joined Napoleon's army. So he made it potentially being one of the causes of the French revolution made it through that. And then, uh, get, gets in Napoleon's army later on. And while he's doing all this, while he's, a uh, um, in, in the army, he's, he's writing just this brilliant novel. So there's just so many layers, so many, um, so many things that were interesting about this book and then kind of looking at, at it from different vantage points. Um, what a woman's life would have been, been like during this time, uh, and just different different ways of approaching it was was fascinating and so this was this was the biggest surprise on my list this year so that that was a novel. Uh, two other books for the conference were more of political or uh, not political but um moral philosophy books. And so the first one of those was The Theory of Moral Sentiments by Adam Smith. And the other one was Essays by David Hume. And the essays are moral, political and literary essays. So I made it through The Theory of Moral Sentiments. I did not make it through Essays by David Hume. I I, I got a certain way, uh, amount of the way in. Uh, but I'm going to shelve that book and, and read that later on in, in my life. But, uh, I saw it. So the next book then was the theory of moral sentiments by, by Adam Smith. And what's great is, uh, I, I told you about that book by Russ Roberts, uh, how Adam Smith can change your life. And i read that earlier this year. I also read that earlier for this reading project. And, uh, that is about the theory of moral sentiments. And as I was reading that, I, I just kind of expected that I would never actually read the theory of moral sentiments, the, the book, but I did and and it was for this conference and and it was incredible and it, it it's really like it's a book of how how people act and, and I, I had never thought about it like this is like if you go to the zoo this is how monkeys act like this is you know you kind of expect this is what a monkey's going to do when you see them at the zoo this is what a leopard is going to do this is what a, a another animal is going to do this this is almost like that where where you're looking at man a, 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 mankind and and this is how they act this is what they do in these kind of situations this is what they're seeking after this is what they're doing and you're like oh yeah i just i'd never thought about that but but yeah um but then reading this in in, in tandem with Dangerous Liaisons was was a really neat experience as well. So The Theory of Moral Sentiments by by Adam Smith, that was the next one. Uh, David Hume's essays, uh, read a little bit of that. And then um, The Fable of the Bees by Bernard Mandeville was the last book of the series. So with The Fable of the Bees, this starts off with a fable. And The Fable is... is relatively short and it, it rhymes and it tells of this beehive and all the different parts of life in a beehive and how the vices actually keep the whole thing going. So people's personal vices actually lead to a lot of industry and different things like, like that. And, and, and then there's a part of the fable where they try to get rid of all the vice and then you see what it does to to the, to the society. So it's a really, it's just a interesting look. And, and the subtitle of the book is of private vices, public benefits. So the public benefits that come from other people's vices, and that could be in the form of, of money. uh, You know, somebody's vice is paying someone else's um, family, uh, just like different ideas like that throughout this book. And it was a really, crazy book for the time and it was condemned by a lot of people, but, uh, but to, to read it. And then also again, to read it in, in, in tandem with dangerous liaisons and, and theory of moral sentiments was, was interesting. Uh, Adam Smith actually references the fable of the bees in theory of moral, moral sentiments and, um, had spent a lot of time reading Mandeville. So the, the other really interesting thing about Mandeville was, was to see the ideas that Adam Smith has you see them in Mandeville, and Mandeville was um, almost fifty years before Adam Smith. So here, here I'm thinking, oh, Adam Smith, what a what a genius He's come up with all these ideas, whether it's um, his economic ideas or the theory of moral sentiments, more on the on the the moral philosophy side of things. But uh, you see, you see a lot of these ideas uh, fifty years before. He, he wrote wrote about them and, and even in, in very similar language that, that we mostly attribute to to Adam Smith, uh, it's, it shows up in this this fable of the bees. So starts so the fable of the bees, it starts off with with this fable, but then he goes in into this extensive uh, description of what's happening in the fable of the bees. and, and then that becomes more of a, a political, i keep saying political it becomes more of a, a a moral philosophy book in that sense where he's describing what happens in in the fable so very interesting book uh glad I read all those but that was a series that i i put together and called the Liberty fund conference series of books then i i just closed out the year with with three three other books and these were late editions and so i'll, I'll go through these quickly here. the the first of the three was Atomic Habits by James Clear. This is one I just see pop up all the time. Uh, a lot of people have read it and I, I, I love these kind of books because there are there's a, ideas throughout and ideas that can really help you in being more productive or just starting good habits. And I figure if I can just get one idea from this book, if I can just implement one idea, that can have a huge impact on my life. And that, that's kind of the the idea of this book. Like small changes can lead to bigger changes, but like starting small and uh, a slight increase or a slight change in direction each day, just a slight one can, can have compounding effects. And so he ties together these, these habits with compound interest. And it may not seem like a lot each day, like you're just doing this little tiny thing, but it can add up, and then not just add up, but exponentially add up to where your your life is on a completely completely different direction or a different trajectory based on these small, seemingly small things that happen. So I, I love he tied he tied a lot of things together. A lot of uh, books that I've read for this project, he ties. Daniel Kahneman together but then Kahneman's talking about system 1 and system 2 thinking but but how do you get stuff from system 2 to system 1 like how do you get stuff from that you're consciously thinking about into the unconscious like where it just happens like how do you get from where you're driving and you're having to pay attention to every single thing to where you can drive and not remember the last 45 minutes of your driving how how does one get to that in 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 common things in your life. Like ha- and how do you get to that in habits? That's what this book explores. And I, I got some great ideas. I, I, I guess probably the, the one that sticks out the most is to not start with a goal. It, it, you know, especially thinking about new year's resolutions and, and that sort of thing, but not to start with those, but to, to start with, with thinking of it more from an identity vantage point of who, who do I want to become? Uh, if I if I say oh, I'm, I'm gonna start exercising and and my goal is to to join the gym and 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 to to exercise throughout the year that's that's not the right starting point the right starting point is is I want to become a runner or I want to I, you, you think about the identity that you want to have I, I want to become a reader I want to become this and and that's the starting point so you' you're you're wrapping your identity on it and and not just I have this I have this weird goal that I I hope I can grasp at some point in the future by, by, by identifying the identity aspect of it, it sets more of a trajectory of, okay, this is, this is where I want to be. And I know that these daily habits, these daily things that I do are leading either towards or away from that, that direction, uh, that, that end identity. Next up, The God of the Garden by Andrew Peterson. This is the second of the final three books. Andrew Peterson is a local author, artist, singer, songwriter, and gardener. And this book is the tagline, Thoughts on Creation, Culture, and the Kingdom. I work at Landmark Booksellers. I'm the the business manager at the at the bookstore there. And this year we had Andrew come in and he signed copies of this book. And then we, we sold those signed copies. And I was there when he came in and he's just such a... a a genuine person, and uh, I also, with my family, went and saw him at the "Behold the Lamb of God" concert. It's a, it's a yearly Christian uh, Christmas concert that he does, and he does it at the Ryman Auditorium here in in Nashville. And it it was my it was our first time going to the concert. It was the first time uh, we took our daughters to the Ryman. Uh, they're 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 young, and so this is the first time that we saw a concert, uh, the whole family together at the Ryman. And it was so good. And I, I hope we can go to it every year. But but Andrew Peterson's been doing this this Christmas concert for the last twenty plus years. He wrote he wrote all this music, and they they go through just it and it's just, it tells the story. Of, of the Christmas story and, and, and of the Bible. And it's put to music and it's just well done and it's beautiful. And so I, I got to see that, got to meet Andrew when he, he came in to sign the books and then uh, was able to read this book at the end of this year. And it was, it was so good. Uh, he, he, he goes in, he he looks back at his life and kind of looks at it through different trees that were, that he came across and trees from his childhood. And Trees from different places that he's lived and trees that he's planted. He, he has uh, land now where he's, he's planted, planted trees and then ties it together with, with trees in the Bible and, and how they're spoken of in the Bible. And it was such a good book. And, and it was, it was so honest. And he just, the way he went into his, his early life and shared heartache and, um, highs and lows, uh, it, yeah, it was, it was just such a, a good book for the soul. And one that helps you, I guess, look up and, and look, look at the, the things around you and look at the trees around you. And, and he, he, he's a man who travels all over. And, and he said, it's easy to get this mindset that other places are, are better, but just look around where you are, where you live right now. And, and even something as simple as a tree, it's not simple. And you could spend your whole life studying that and, and digging in deep to it and, and, and observing it. And this, this book, I, I, this was just a fantastic and, and delightful read. Last book of the year was called Watermark by Joseph Brodsky. And it, it was a winner of the Nobel Prize in Literature. And he, he kind of just narrates his life for a while as he's in Venice, Italy. And it really makes you want to, to be there. And it was great writing. It, it actually, a listener of the podcast um, emailed me and, and, and suggested this book. And so I picked it up uh, kind of last minute. It was a short book and, and thought I would just kind of fit it in at the end of the year. So that was all the books that I ended up reading for the, the project this year. I, I did fit in the, the Christmas Carol at the End by, by uh, Charles Dickens as well. And that was a very fun book to read. But that those were the the 43 books that I I got through this year. It was so much fun. I'm glad I did the series. Next year I'm back to doing individual books, but I'm also making a big shift next year in my 2022 reading list. So the first 47 books are going to be ones that I've I've had on my list for a while, ones that I want to, to read. I randomized the order, and I'm going to be reading them in, in that randomized order. But the last five books of my list next year are going to be the start of what I'm referring to as a phase two for this project. And I came to the point where I started seeing that books come from books. And there are there's a source of of books. There are the great books. There are the books that are referred to often. And these are the books that have pushed civilization along. These are these are the these are the stories that are known. These are the the books that have that have impacted millions. And so I'm going through 200 of the greatest books starting next year. I expect it to take 8 years at least. I will turn 50 in the year 2030. I would like to finish by that point, but I'm basically, I've chosen 200 books for this list and I am just going to go straight through for however long it takes because I don't want to die not having read the great books. And you often hear the great books of the of Western civilization. I've tried to open it up to where I'm reading the great books of all civilization. And so I've, I've made a point to to get a lot of books from, from Eastern civilization as well. And, and from other, not just from the Western canon, but, but from, from a broader range. And so I'll be, I'll be starting that. And and I'm starting from the oldest book and going to the newest and the newest book, it cannot be anything uh, within the last 50 years. So it has to be older than 50 years for it to be the newest book. So right now the, the newest book I have is, is uh, by Flannery O'Connor. The oldest book I have is Gilgamesh. And that will be the first book I'm reading, and that'll be book 48 of my next year's reading list. So I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm still taking uh, suggestions from that list and, and talking to, to different uh, to different people about recommendations they have for the final list of 200 books that, that I decide. I w- I'd love for you to join me in that, if, if that's something that you would be interested in doing, of reading through the great books. Of the world knowing that it's going to be a multi-year project it's going to take a lot of time but it's going to be amazing and I'm going to be reading what are considered to be the best books in the world and I can't wait so that starts next year before that I have a lot of fun books that, that I can't wait to get to and I'm going to try to cover as many of those on the podcast as as I can so that that's what's coming up. Um, this year was also uh, some some big changes in my life, in that I have started working at a bookstore. I mentioned earlier, Landmark Booksellers. I am now the the business manager at the store, uh, business kind of and digital uh, manager. And so I've been doing their website for for the past three years, but uh, the the role has expanded, and now I'm I'm overseeing the the business side of things, which fits in well with my what I studied in school, I studied business. So um, I'm finally getting to use that, uh, that business degree. And it's, it's just been a joy. Uh, we have a store manager there and, um, she, she does an excellent job and and we're just with the staff, we're, we're working to, to, to make this a a wonderful bookstore and, and one that, that has a, a wide variety of, of books and, I've got a section we call smart thinking that is a lot of the books from this books, of Titans project. And so I, I, I do hope that if you're in town, you'll, you'll stop by to landmark booksellers. And I hope to, to integrate this project more and more with the bookstore as well to where, uh, hopefully we can offer good, good deals on, on some of the books that I'm reading. So if you are interested in reading along, you can order directly from the bookstore. Um, and, and yeah, just kind of to try to, to integrate better with, with, uh, the bookstore going forward. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, 2021 was, was a, a, just a wonderful and fun year of reading. I can't wait until the next year. If you're unfamiliar with this project, I'm thinking about the books that I, that I want to be reading, uh, many years in advance. And especially with the great books coming up, I, I know what I'm reading for the next eight years, uh, I, I know the order I'm reading them in and, and everything, and that can be limiting, but it can also be freeing because these, these are books that I want to read. And if I, if I don't do this, if I don't set a plan to, to read through these, I, I may never get to, and, and I don't want to not get to these books. So let me know if you're interested in joining, you can email at eric at com I'd love, I'd love if you would join in and, uh, maybe we could just start, a, a big discussion around these books as as we're, we're reading them. You can also go to my website and see what I'm reading for 2022, what I have coming up. Um, the next five books on the list, I'll, I'll go through those quickly. The first is uh, On Reading Well by Karen Swallow Pryor. And I actually did put that book first because it's about reading. And then I randomized the rest of them. Uh, but I, I followed Karen on... On social media for a while and she's she's done a lot of versions of the classics as well and where she'll it'll be like frankenstein and then she'll put uh an intro at the beginning and questions at the end and i'm i'm gonna get some of the books that she's done for that as i go through my great books project uh because i like that idea of of kind of a, a guided reading through it uh i don't like too much guiding but um i i think that it there's the, the right amount of guiding in the sense of kind of a brief intro and then questions to, to really make things stand out in, in the book. Uh, the, the tagline on, of on reading well is finding the good life through great books. So that should be a great start to the year where I start reading through the great books. Book two on my list next year will be Black Count, by Tom Rice. This is Glory, Revolution, Betrayal, and the Real Count of Monte Cristo. So this book, uh, it's a Pulitzer Prize winner, but uh, I believe it's also about the father of of the author of The Count of Monte Monte Cristo. So uh, as that being a book that is going to be on my great books list as well, but one that I've read a couple times in the past, uh, I'm looking forward to this one. After that, In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. The fourth book, The S-H-I-T, They Never Taught You. This is uh, some other two, two gentlemen who have a book podcast as well, and they put this book together of kind of key points from another a number of the books that they've read. So I'm really looking forward to, to going through this one uh, because they are book lovers, and, and just to see what they, they say and what they pulled out of different books. The fifth book, the last one I'll highlight here uh, for the start of next year is Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. That should be a timely read and I'm looking forward to that. That'll do it. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Keep reading, keep listening, and keep thinking. I'm out.